Today, we're going to hear from a couple of our very good friends. Uh, we go way back, way back. When we were children's pastors at Mount Hope Church in the 90s, yeah, that's far. Uh, this couple assisted us in ways that they were just such a blessing to us. Um, and then later, the church in Lansing actually hired Pastor Scott as their financial guru. And he's done how many audits for us? Two now? Working on a third one. And, uh, you know, it just keeps us straight. We make sure all the money is went where it was supposed to and all that. And he comes in and looks at all that. He loves numbers. He's a, that right there tells you what kind of person he is. And we are so grateful to have a friend like you that likes numbers. So he spent many years down there in Lansing as their financial guru, but also, uh, well, how many years ago now? 18? How many years were you missions director? Seven. Only seven? Why was I thinking it was longer? That's still a long time, though. And Lansing has a, a huge budget. I don't know what it is anymore, but there was, when we were down there, it was like $2.5 million a year that went out for missions. Yeah, that, that's a chunk of change. And 300-plus and missionaries around the world that are supported through our mother church, through their missions program. Yeah, amen. So Pastor Scott all oversaw all of that and helped support our missionaries all across the land. And uh, recently, and I'll let him tell this part, but recently they were both called to the missions field. And I want to honor them today. I want to turn the pulpit over to you and uh, just share with us whatever God's put on your heart, and then we'll go from there. So would you give a warm welcome to Pastor Scott and Ruth Thompson. And she's a, a pastor too, so just, just to say that. Oh, thank you so much. Pastor Norm, Pastor Barb, thank you so much for this amazing honor and privilege to be with you this morning. Sort of as you were saying, we have known each other for about 20 years, and when you were children's pastors at Mount Hope Church, Ruth and I were volunteers that worked under your ministry, and you took the time to mentor, equip, train, and disciple us. We want to say thank you for investing in our lives. Your fingerprints of what you did spiritually into us still remain, and we get to take that to Indonesia. But even more important than that, we want to say thank you for your precious and dear friendship. You have been a dear and precious friend, both of you, for decades. And we want to thank you for being amazing. We want to thank you for loving God. We want to thank you for loving lostness. And we want to thank you for loving missions. I'm going to open in a prayer quickly, but before I open in prayer, I want to ask you to think about something. Why in the world would Ruth and I decide to step down after 15 years of being on the pastoral team of a church and decide to go halfway around the world to Indonesia when there are lost people right here in Michigan in the United States? Why would we leave the country that we love? 
Why would we go to a country that has so few of the comforts that we have right here? Why would we leave our son and our daughter, adult son and daughter, behind and our friends behind to go to Indonesia? Why would we go to a place where just a few months ago ISIS attacked three gatherings of Christians and there's danger? Why would we go? Good question. Why? <laughs> Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you for this day and for all that you've provided. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that is living and active and that you divinely intervene in our lives and situations and circumstances. And Lord, we pray right now that not only would you fill this room with your presence and your power, but Lord, we pray that you would fill our lives, our heart, our spirit with your very breath, of your very life, of your very presence. Lord, we pray right now that you would prepare our hearts, our spirits to receive from you today. Lord, we pray that we would hear from heaven above. We pray that we would have a timely word. Lord, we pray that if there are those that are struggling, Lord, with health issues, that Lord, even while we're here today, they would be healed by the power of the living God. If there's those that have relational issues, Lord, we pray that you would bring healing even to those relationships. Lord, for those that have financial needs, Lord, we thank you that you are our provider. And Lord, we pray that you would meet those needs with your exceeding blessings. Lord, for those that need wisdom today or this week for a situation or circumstance, we thank you for what James 1.5 says, that if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask of you who gives all things abundantly. Lord, we just commit this time right now for your great name. And Lord, we pray that you would do those things that only you can do while we have this time together. And we pray this in the name above every name, the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to start out in answering that question that I asked, why would we do that with a story? And the story is of a person that, for security reasons, we will call Natalie. Natalie lives in a predominantly Muslim country like Indonesia. Natalie, a few years ago, at the age of 26, had a divine vision. And it was a vision, a visitation of Jesus coming and then leading Natalie to the cross. She immediately knew this was no regular dream, but this was a heaven-sent vision to her. She knew it wasn't bad pizza, but it was something holy and sacred. And so Natalie decided that she had to find out who this Jesus was. Hour by hour, she looked and sought for somebody to tell her, day by day, week by week. And she could find no one to tell her who this Jesus was. Month after month went by. And finally, after eight months... She ran into this Christian couple, workers like us, our colleagues from America, and they told Natalie who this Jesus was and the hope that he provided. They were able to give her a clear gospel proclamation, and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior right there. Even with the consequence of potential death, she decided to firm up that commitment with being baptized in the name of Jesus. And then she started a church, a Christ community right in her own apartment where she could reach her fellow countrymen and women 
with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. One of the things that Ruth and I soon realized is even when God does the miraculous, even when he divinely reveals himself to people, it will still take a Christian nearby that can train, equip, mentor, and disciple that person so that not only they know who Jesus Christ truly is, but so they can be prepared and equipped for the ministry that God has called them to do. What if that missionary couple wasn't there? Would God have even have revealed himself if there was no avenue for her to know more? You see, one of the questions that we deal with is, what is the difference between an unsaved person here in America and an unsaved person in a deeply Muslim country? On one hand, there's no difference, because without the hope of Jesus Christ in us, we're all destined for eternal punishment. But on the other hand, there is all the difference in the world because of a single word called access. You see, here in America, people will likely run into another believer in the workplace, in their neighborhood. Here, people will typically go to a church, whether it's for a wedding or a funeral. Here, people can freely talk to a believer without anybody questioning what they're doing. Here we can go to a Christian bookstore. Here we can go on the internet and have unfiltered access to the internet. In a deeply Muslim country, that's not always the case and frequently isn't. They can go their entire life without ever meeting a believer in their neighborhood or a believer in their workplace. They don't have unfiltered internet frequently. There are no Christian bookstores. So that's the reason that we're going. But we would love to start by telling you a little bit more about who we are, and we're going to have Ruth tell you that. Um, we're Scott and Ruth Thompson, and we live in Grant Ledge, Michigan. We have a son that's 24 years old. His name is Paul, and our daughter, who's 20. And you're wondering probably, why are we leaving our home? I live 1,500 yards from my parents. But like he said, there's access that we don't have in some of these places. There's places in the world that have never heard about Jesus. There, there's a, we're going to talk about that. I think he'll address it a little bit. But yeah, but um, we're both um, getting ready to move from our family and our friends that are close by to a land that we've been to. But you know, why would we go? I'm going to tell you about a story about Carl. We're going to call his name Carl. But we met him. He was in the city where Scott was doing a Bible study. Four and a half million people lived in this city. During his lunch hour, he drove an hour to the Bible study, an hour back from the Bible study, just so he could hear more about who Jesus Christ is. He was spiritually hungry and thirsty. He grew up in a Muslim background home, but he wanted to know more about who Jesus, this Jesus was. Six weeks after that, he accepted Jesus. He crossed the line and made the decision to follow Christ, and he was baptized. And when you're baptized in that country, you can risk losing everything. Not only when you accept Christ, your family can lose their jobs. Your brothers and sisters can lose their jobs. So it's everything to them. He could be the next church planter in Indonesia. And we're going to Indonesia because there are places that have never heard about who Jesus ever has been. They don't even know Jesus. Who's Jesus? And this young man made that decision to follow Christ. And he was so hungry that he had to drive that far across to hear all these questions answered that he had. God answered those questions for him, and he crossed that line to Christ. 
I just want to share a little bit about our calling also. Um, you know, really, we've been married just earlier within this last week. We celebrated 20 year, 28 years of marriage. And yeah, see, they're applauding because he put up with me that long. <laughs> uh, but even as we got married, we realized that God had a call of missions on our life. And a matter of fact, we talked to our church leadership about it. They sent us for about a week, week and a half to Costa Rica and as a family of four. And so we went there. And we loved everything about that. We loved the missionary. We loved the culture. We loved the ministry that was going on. We loved the dear people there. But we just felt like God was saying no. And then all of a sudden, my lead pastor asks me to come on the pastoral staff 15 years ago. And he asked me for a seven-year commitment. And one of the things that I did is I said, Lord, what if you call Ruth and I to missions in that seven years? And they felt like God spoke to me. And he said, if I call you into the mission field in that seven years, I can lay it on your pastor's heart to release you from that commitment. And I, oh, I guess he can, can't you, Lord? And <laughs> God always knows best. But we said yes, because we felt that was what God was doing. That's interesting because there's a time that God calls us and there's a time that God sends us. And sometimes there's a period of time in between. During that period of time, God is training us, equipping us, and getting us ready for that call. So there was that initial call to church ministry. There was a further call because seven years ago, missions was added to our portfolio. And we says we always knew we'd be involved in missions. We just didn't think this way. But then there was another day, about two or three years ago, that I was sitting in my office praying what I was sure was a godly prayer, saying, God, help me to be successful. In every area that I oversee, in every area that I influence, help me to be successful. Because I knew God wanted me to be successful. But God knows our hearts. And God knew my heart. And God spoke to me and said, Scott, there's an element of pride in your request. You go, ah. And you know, when God speaks to you like that, he's right. <laughs> And God said to me, Scott, I haven't called you to be successful. I've called you to be obedient. If you'll be obedient, I'll be successful through you. And I thought, wow. It reminded me of Moses. And with Moses, he got a divine call, saw the burning bush that wasn't consumed, took his feet off because it was holy ground, had a great call of ministry on his life, and he went to Egypt and everything looked horrible. Pharaoh rejected him. The Hebrews rejected him. The Hebrews got angry because they had a greater workload because of Moses, and from a natural perspective, things looked horrible. But you know what? Moses didn't waver. Even though he felt totally inadequate, when he talked to God at the burning bush, and you know, when we're feeling inadequate, that means that God is going to work through us because we're not trusting on our own ability. He kept being obedient. And it wasn't up to Moses to bring the plagues or to separate the Red Sea. It wasn't up to Moses to bring manna from heaven or water from a rock. Those were all God's responsibilities. Moses' responsibility was to be obedient. And as Moses was obedient, God did the miraculous. And so then all of a sudden, God said, now, now is the time that I'm calling you to no longer be the hands that pray and send workers into the field. Now is the time for you to be the feet that go and proclaim my gospel 
into those spiritually dry and thirsty places. We'll see a slide here in just a second. Um, Indonesia is comprised of 17,508 um, islands. Some of them are inhabited, um, but there are islands that are under Sharia law there. That means you can't talk about Christ. I mean, you could be killed for your, for your faith in Christ there. But that country is larger than... Um, sorry. <laughs> it's the, um, the country... In the number of wise, it's a the largest Muslim country in the world with a population greater than Russia. And if you are familiar with the map, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Philippines are right in that general area. So we are going on the opposite side of the world from where we live, the comforts. We may have flush toilets and all that stuff, but, you know, God's called us out of, the, you're saying, why? why? Why you? Why now? And I'm saying, why not? When I should have, if I say to the Lord, I should have, when I could have, now is the time, and the respect that they have for those that are in our age demographic, you know, it's just interesting because we can have more access to people, that people that are younger than us that are on the field currently don't have that ability to speak into those people's lives. And we know that God is preparing people even now for us to be able to talk to. But um, it's just interesting because Indonesia is such a large country, and you have, that world is more people than Iran, Iraq, and Egypt combined and it's just interesting to see if you look at that graph right there, you know, how many people live in Indonesia. And it's, you don't hear a lot about it in Indonesia unless you do a deep search for it. And um, that's one of the reasons why we're going. It's a great need. Yep. So, thank you. <laughs> so Ruth is actually going to go and she's going to speak to the children. We're going to continue on. And everybody does three points. I'm going to do four, just because I want to give you more than your money's worth. <laughs> but the first thing that I want to share with you, because I think there's four things that we need to know as we go forward. One is that humanity is lost. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, There is none righteous, not even one. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. You see, that's one of the things that Islam does not believe. Islam believes that your good has to outweigh your bad, that you're born neutral and you have to strive for God's acceptance. You have to strive for being good. They have five times of prayer every day, but their prayers are not in Indonesian. They're not in Turkish. Wherever they are, the prayers are always in Arabic. It would be like us having prayers in Latin. They're not this heartfelt prayer to God. It's a rote prayer that they are just praying out of habit. And they're hoping that every time they pray five times a day, they get a merit. Every time they fail to pray five times a day, it's a dismerit. And so they're constantly struggling, and they're hoping that by the time they die, that not only will their good outweigh their bad, but that Allah will be in a good mood, because that might have a bearing where they spend eternity. We have to realize the preciousness of our faith. We have to realize that we are lost and hopeless outside of Christ. I was talking 
to a person from another congregation. He says, oh, I have this friend that's Muslim, and he's a really good man. But we have to realize that really, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, none of us are good apart from what Christ did inside of us. The second thing is eternity is real. Those things that we can see and touch here are less real than eternity because these things will all pass away. But things of an eternal nature will never pass away. We think about it sometimes from a Christian standpoint of having eternal life. But we have to realize that we're going to exist eternally whether we've accepted Christ or not. We're either going to be eternally in heaven or eternally in torment. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48 says, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than to have two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, for the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, for their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into the hellfire where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. A similar verse is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 and 43. It says, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Wow. Sometimes it's hard for me to even think about that. Sometimes I would prefer to sort of ignore those passages because when I think about what's really at stake, are we living for all eternity? Do we realize what's really going to befall mankind one day? We think of God as a loving God, and He is, but He's also a righteous judge. You see, as I talk to Muslim people, and they believe... We have to see how the good outweighs the bad. One of the things that we can point to is the Garden of Eden. What caused Adam and Eve to be kicked out of the garden? It wasn't that their bad outweighed their good. It's that they committed a sin, and because of that sin could no longer be in God's presence. You see, if I live... 66 years or so, <laughs> and I do good my entire life, but then I create a heinous act. I kill somebody in cold blood, and I go before the judge. Will this righteous judge say, hey, your good has outweighed your bad, so we're going to let you go free because I'm a good judge? Or is he going to say, regardless of the good that you've done, You've committed a crime. 
And because of that crime, there is a price to pay for that crime. And with us, it's the same way. It doesn't matter how much good we do, if there's sin in our life, there's a penalty for that sin. And the truth is, is that we cannot pay that penalty. That's why we have to trust in Jesus Christ. And that's where we get to our third point, that Jesus is our only hope. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 14, 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. As we talk about Muslim people, it's interesting what they do believe in Jesus and what they don't believe in Jesus. You see, it's interesting because they believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. They believe that Jesus was a great prophet. They believe that Jesus did miracles in this life, in his lifetime. They believe he healed the sick. He healed the lame. He gave sight to the blind. They also believe that Jesus had no sin, which is interesting because they don't believe the same about Muhammad. The Quran records sins that Muhammad had. And while they believe all of that and we have all of that in common, what they don't believe is they don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. It's inconceivable for them to believe that a prophet of God would be killed by man, that God would allow his prophet to be killed by man. Although when we read through the history of the Bible, we see time and time again that's exactly what happened to the prophets. They definitely don't believe that God was raised, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And they do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's tragic. And we look at this verse again in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And one of the things that Ruth and I want to do, and we're hopeful that you will do as well, even if it's locally, because there's aspects that you can play, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, is that you will allow your heart to break with the things that break God's heart. Because that was my prayer. God, help my heart to break with the things that break your heart. And I realized what breaks God's heart is lostness. When he sent his very best, and when Jesus Christ, his very own son, came because God so loved the world, he gave his best and his son that we might be saved through him. And there's still those that have never heard. It breaks his heart because he did everything in his power to cause there to be reconciliation between man and God. And yet, some of the people still have not heard the greatest story ever told. What do we think about when we think about Muslim people? Some people 
have hatred for Muslim people. I've seen bumper stickers that say, nuke them all. We think about 9-11, which we just celebrated and commemorated not that long ago, I believe 17 years ago or so. We think about Afghanistan and Syria and some of the fighting, and so sometimes there's anger. Sometimes when people think about Muslims, the thing that comes to their heart is fear. Sometimes what comes to their mind is indifference. They just really don't care. But I love what Randy Hurst said, and he says, never call somebody the enemy that God calls the harvest. And we see places like Indonesia where lostness abounds, and we can't see them as the enemy. Largest Muslim country in the world means what a great and ripe harvest field it is. And so we want to go to that harvest field. We can blame and point fingers at people and say, look how evil they are. But if these people have never had an encounter of what good is, or should I say, who good is, how can we blame them if they've never had a chance to hear the gospel message? How can we blame them for being evil if that is all they've ever known their entire life? We want to go, and we want to change that. I love what Dave Davidson said. He said, if you found a cure for cancer, wouldn't it be inconceivable to hide it from the rest of mankind? How much more inconceivable to keep silent the cure from the eternal wages of death? Wow, let that sink in for a little while because that is so true. If somebody knew a cure for AIDS, if somebody knew a cure for cancer, and they didn't tell everybody else how they could have that cure, we would think rather poorly of that person. And yet there's a condition that exists today that is worse than AIDS or cancer because that will affect you for your life on this earth, but sin will affect you for eternity. And the great news is God has entrusted that to us, not only so we can keep it to ourselves, but the great news is that we can share that with others. And that's the fourth point in the good news, is God chooses you to be his messenger. God chooses you to tell the greatest story that has ever been told. God has equipped you for this hour to make eternal differences in people's lives. You see, from the time of Adam and Eve in the garden. God's been writing a story, and we can read this through the Old Testament. We can then catch up on things in the New Testament because it's all about this biblical narrative that God's been writing. But let me tell you the good news. Although our Bible may stop with the book of Revelation, the narrative of God continues on, and you are a part of his story and the great thing is, is that God has given us so many amazing things as believers in Christ. But everything that he gives us, he doesn't expect us to keep for ourselves. He expects us to share that. He gives us love and love abundantly. And I love that because I can sense his love and his pleasure. But he also has given us that love so we can share that love 
with everybody around. God gives us forgiveness from sin, but He just doesn't give us forgiveness to keep to ourselves. but He gives us forgiveness so we can also forgive others and demonstrate and model what forgiveness is. God has given us the ability to be healed, and that's wonderful, but He also wants us to go out and pray for the sick and watch them recover too. God has shared His divine plan for our salvation, but it's not just so we can be saved. It's so we can go out into the highways and byways and tell everybody we encounter the good news of Jesus Christ. We read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I find an interesting story as we go to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion that was called the Italian Regiment. Now listen to this. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Most pastors, if they had a person that would meet this criteria, they would rejoice. Devout, feared God with all his household, gave alms generously, and prayed to God always. But you know what? That wasn't good enough. Because even though he was praying to the one true God, he did not know about Jesus. And he needed Jesus to be saved. But God, like Natalie, who we shared about before, had a divine encounter with God. It says, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. And send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. You see, even this devout person needed to hear a clear gospel proclamation. And even then, God did not reveal everything to him directly. But he says, you need a follower of Christ to come and tell you all that you need to know. And he sent Peter so that Cornelius could hear a clear gospel proclamation. And while Peter was still speaking, what does the Bible say? The Holy Spirit fell upon him and everybody who was hearing, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, hey, how can we refuse to have these people baptized? We see the same thing with the conversion of Paul. Paul was on the road to Damascus, had a divine encounter with God. And God said, why 
Why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So he had to go to Damascus, find a man named Ananias. God visited Ananias and said, go see Paul, pray for him that he may regain his sight. And then Acts 9, 18 through 19 it says, immediately there fell from Paul's eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. See, God has chosen you because he loves you and because you're precious to be his messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. He has chosen you to be bearers of the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that he entrusted you with the most important mission we could all have. I want to segue to a different story. We had a fellow global worker that was in Namal in Minnesota. And this worker encountered a Muslim person. And so they struck up a conversation with this Muslim person. And initially they just talked about life, dreams, family. And then they talked about their faith. And they walked around the mall. And they went into this chocolate store. And the Muslim asked this worker, what is the best chocolate to get? And the worker says, oh, choose these chocolates over here. And these, these are really good. And the Muslim person bought the chocolates and handed it to the worker and said, I want to thank you because in the six months I've been in this country, you're the first American that has talked to me. See, we really don't always have to go overseas to spiritually dry places unless God calls us to. But there's opportunities right in our own workplaces right in our own neighborhoods, right in the local stores. And we have to be mindful that God wants to seek and save what is lost. And as we walk along life's journey, God will give us amazing opportunities to share. And we'll have to, just like Ruth and I are going overseas and getting out of our comfort zone, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone to have these types of conversations. But when we get out of our comfort zone, and start walking by faith, that's when God does the miraculous. He'll give you the words to speak. He'll tell you what to do. You get to bring the presence and power of the living God to wherever you go. And you are the light. You are the access of Jesus Christ to dry and thirsty people right here in Gaylord and beyond. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who have they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring and preach the gospel of peace and who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, in the second epistle of Peter, it talks about we are all priests of God. It doesn't take a credential holder to be a witness of who Jesus Christ is. You just have to be a devoted follower of Jesus. 
and you will stand amazed at the opportunities that God will give you. So, we do three things. What are the action steps that you can take away from this? First of all, will you pray? Will you pray for those that are serving God, both locally and globally, people like your pastor, people like Ruth and I? But would you also pray for yourself and say, God, let me be a vessel that you can work in and through and show me the opportunities that you have for me to impact lives. That's the second thing. Will you go? And once again, you don't have to go to Indonesia. Sometimes it's just going downtown. Sometimes it's just going to the workplace. But will you go beyond your comfort zone? And will you allow God to work in you and through you? And then the third thing is, will you give? As you allow your heart to break for the lost, will you support what God is doing through your local church, through your tithes, through your offerings, through your missions giving? Will you give God your very best? A lot of times we love the fact that God is our Savior, and we also have the privilege of God being our Lord, where we can serve Him and give to Him sacrificially. I think God wants to do an amazing thing in you and through you and give you the most amazing journey you've ever seen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For we know the will of God. What is it? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God has a wonderful plan, purpose, and destiny for your life. And you get to live in an amazing journey. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for the depth of your love that we will never fully understand until we see you face to face. But Lord, we thank you that even when we were in our sins and our righteousness was as filthy as rags, you came in and you revealed yourself to us. You loved us and you cleansed us from all unrighteousness. You made us righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. And Lord, we thank you that we have been able to hear a clear gospel proclamation, but we thank you even more that we get to share that. We get to go into the highways and the byways, and we get to proclaim what true life really is. When people are struggling, when people are going through challenges, when people are going through their toughest times in their lives, we can bring a word from heaven above into their lives that will give them hope and purpose. Lord, we pray that you would do the miraculous through us, that as we're obedient to you, as we do the things that we can do in the natural, that you will do those things that only you can do in the supernatural. Lord, thank you that in your might and power that you've chosen weak and earthen vessels such as ourselves to accomplish your will on this earth and to spread this earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Pastor Norm. Thank you, Reverend Thompson. I just wanted to call you that. I'm inspired. I had no idea 
the country that you're going into, how severe it was. And as a friend, you know I'm going to be praying for you. And who knows, maybe we'll end up taking a team over sometime. <laughs> That'd be amazing. How many would go to a Muslim country on a short-term mission trip? Amen. Well, <clears throat> when we have someone come to our church like this, and I want to just say up front, do not pull out your wallet or your checkbook unless you're so inclined. There's no pressure, all right? I want you to understand that when we take a second offering like this, all we're asking is if God puts something on your heart, then put it in. Bless this ministry. I have mine ready. I'm going to put my seed in this offering because I see them as good ground. If you would like to do the same, you can make a check out to Mount Hope Church and put the, num the amount in. Everything that goes into this offering will go to Scott and Ruth. Uh, we're also... If the board approves it, which I'm hoping they will, we're going to start supporting them on a monthly basis uh, so that they'll have that coming in as well because they always look for both cash and the monthly support. Brother, wow, 320 million people that haven't heard. That might be what's holding Jesus back. Right? And they're going to go and they're going to take care of business. I believe that. So I want to I want to put mine in. So let's uh, just hold your offering in your hand. Lord, we thank you for everything you blessed us with. None of it's ours. You own all the cattle on all the hills. You own all the silver and gold. And you share it with us. And then you say, you know what? Give back an offering to me once in a while. And today we're doing that as a seed, Lord, into this very valuable, very important ministry that's just now getting off the ground. I want to be there at the front end of this thing. I want to support this family, Scott and Ruth Thompson, Lord, and I want to see the gospel reach the people in Indonesia. And today I pray that you would take our offering and that you would just, as we plant it into this, this uh, rich soil, Lord, that you would bring it bear, to bear fruit, Lord, that it would grow bigger than that mustard seed, Lord, uh, that mustard tree, I'm sorry, that you would just do what only you can do and multiply back to this couple all that they need. I pray they'd be able to get there sooner than later. They'd meet their budget earlier than they thought they would. And Lord, that they'd be able to be sent over sooner than, than anybody thought possible. We commit them, Lord, their ministry, their family into your hands. And we just thank you again for the opportunity to give a little bit back to you. And everybody prays, prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I shouldn't say anything, but brother, I've never seen anybody put in their own offering. Wow. That's awesome kind of moves me you're an amazing guy here's the thing while they're collecting this what this man did for seven years at Mount Hope and Lansing you don't even have a clue I don't have a clue how many people that ministry impacted 
I talk to the missionaries, and when they hear the name Mount Hope Church, they're like, I love Mount Hope Church. Because they're so generous. And not just financially, but prayerfully. And, and they send teams all over the world to build churches and Bible schools and, and to send teams in to go out into the streets and reach the people through crusades and different things like that. This man has an anointing, and I, I mentioned this to him before. If you have a passion for missions, I asked him if he would pray for you. So if you're here today and you just feel like, you know, God's birthing something in you. I don't know what it might look like, but maybe it's just a call. Maybe, maybe not to go into full-time mission. Maybe it's just to do something locally. Maybe it's to be on a missions board, which we're trying to establish right now. What I'd like to do is invite you, if you would, to come up here right now, if that's you. If you're feeling at all like God is just tugging on you, you're not sure what He's doing, but you know, you, just something in you right now that's just saying, you know what, um, I really feel like the Lord's calling me to missions. And let me just preface that. I don't mean that you're going to Indonesia. I just mean that you're willing to do whatever God calls next or challenges you to do next. Just two of us here. Anybody else? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ha <laughs> ha, I love it. Wow. Can y'all join over here? Just because there's more over here. Come this way. Ruth, are you going to come up too and pray with them? Awesome. Well, Pastor Scott, would you mind? And, and listen, I know it, it's 12 o'clock, but just a few more minutes and then we'll close. Would you mind just whatever you feel led uh, to do? Because I, I asked him earlier if he'd do this, and he said yes. So we're passing a mantle here, right? Right. Amen. So one of the things that we truly believe is the power of impartation. That when God gives us anointing to do something, then we can pray for a transference of that anointing. And you know, it's when we see an open and willing vessel such as yourselves that God does the miraculous. It's when we can get out of our comfort zone and put our own will aside and see God's will is more important for us than our own. God does super amazing things. So what we're going to do just quickly is Ruth and I are going to start from this end and we're just going to quickly pray, very quickly pray. And then what we would love to do is after service, for those of you that want to, we would love to talk to you more, love to answer any questions that you have, and love just to hang out for a little bit, okay? Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for the men and women that you're calling. And Lord, we pray for a mighty anointing to fall upon them. Lord, as they allow their hearts to break what breaks your heart, Lord, we just pray that you would touch them with your power, with your anointing, 
with a fresh impartation from heaven above that, Lord, every good and perfect gift from above will be placed in their life. Lord, just as you have anointed me for missions and outreach, Lord, I thank you for these people that want to see your name proclaimed and glorified locally and globally. So, Lord, we pray that you would do exactly what only you can do. Prepare them, equip them, set their heart on fire for those things of you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, that there are still those that are lost. And Lord, that these are men and women that are saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. I want to share the greatest story ever told wherever I go. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you look at the heart, just as when you chose David to be king, you looked at the heart of David. And, Lord, I thank you that in the same way you see the heart of each and every man and woman that has come forward and the heart they have for you and for your kingdom. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this right now as we declare it in the name above every name, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. <clears throat> I asked Pastor Barb if she'd take a picture of everybody so that I have record of who came up here. Because I'm going to talk to you guys about being on our missions team here. And uh, listen, the Lord's birthing something here today. It, it's not just local. And, and it's not just sending you guys out, though that's important. There's something happening here today, and you're going to be on the ground floor, I think. So thank you for coming up. Thank you for being faithful. Scott, love you. Love you and Ruth. And we so appreciate you coming all the way up here to share what God's going to do, and we're with you. The people here at The Hope are with you. So hopefully you'll keep us in the loop as far as what your prayer requests are. And uh, go make sure and talk to them afterwards out there. Once again, you got a perfect opportunity today to go serve the MDOT Adopt-A-Highway. And we do it, we, we break it up into a one-mile segment. So you, have, you walk a mile. You pick trash up for a mile. Um, if you can, go on down to the children's room afterwards and uh, help us get that done today because it says a lot about who we are. Don't you love it when you go into a, an Adopt-A-Highway place and, and there's trash all over like the and then you look at the name. <laughs> it's like, let's not be that one. Let's be the ones that take care of our, our, our streets. So uh, appreciate all of you. Let's finish with prayer. And then we hope you have a great day. Lord, again, we are just humbled by the message that Scott and Ruth gave us today. Lord, I suspect if you called us, we would heed that call as well. But you haven't yet. So right now, we're just going to pray for them. Lord, we thank you for everyone that's a part of this church, that you would just bless them this week and, and help them to remember that not all have heard about Jesus. Lord, let us take that message to the street. Help us to reach those who are otherwise destined for eternal separation from you. And Lord, I pray for every person that's here today that's able to help on the uh, adopt a highway. Keep us all safe, Lord, from all the crazies on the road and, and uh, from the trash as we pick it up. Uh, keep our ankles strong as we walk along. And again, Lord, just get us where we're going next. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming out this week.
And we hope to see you, oh, Wednesday night, if you're able to come back out. All right, God bless you.